So what are the chances of something like this ending up happening here? An end to green diesel and farms having to pay the same as everybody else. You could imagine that something like that were it to happen would have a disastrous impact on the tillage sector, say, but around the world... Fossil fuels now receive $7 trillion a year in subsidies and the governments of the world are committed to ending that. Joining me is Paul Smith, the ICMSA's Dairy and Financial Policy Officer, whose job it is essentially is to anticipate policy change and how it is going to impact on farmers. Paul, good morning to you. Um, Let's just cut straight to the quick on this. Are you planning or do you see a world in which there's going to be no green diesel in the near future? Uh, good morning, Philip. Um, not in the immediate future. Um, it's very much green diesel uh, is the only alternative, the only uh, practical choice for, for tractors at the moment. So I know there is there is electric tractors in the pipeline in terms of being developed, but that's 10 uh, 15 years away. So uh, at the moment, green diesel is, a, is the only only uh, choice okay. for farmers. But the direction of travel and policy on this is to remove these subsidies gradually. It is indeed. Um, if you're looking at if you're looking at Germany, they're doing it for a fiscal uh, point of view. Uh, from an environmental point of view, if these if these subsidies were to be uh, uh, removed, obviously the incidence of that taxation falls directly on the farmer and the farmer has no choice but to pay for that that extra cost so it's it's very much a tax that would fall directly mm. on onto the farmer and that, if that were to happen you know that has that has significant implications on on the, the costs of, of farmers how do you calculate that this would hit different farm enterprises like i mean as i suggested there for a tillage operation it could be ruinous it could indeed what we've seen is that uh, with with green diesel and prices fluctuating, which they have in the last number of years due to the, the war in Ukraine, that green diesel usage has stayed the same. So uh, with tillage farmers, for instance, they obviously have a higher a higher rate or usage rate of, of green diesel. So they would obviously be impacted the most. You'd have the likes of dairy farmers that would be impacted next. The livestock farmers would probably be impacted least. But... The, the incidents would fall directly on all those farmers as there is no alternative to green diesel like it's not it's not a perfect market mm-hmm. in that other alternatives are available we, we see when it comes to economics that if there are alternatives available you can switch but with green diesel there are no alternatives so it, there would be no switching away um, in in the short term at least who ends up feeling this? I mean, I know you just said there that it's farmers who will carry the can. Is it, though, will consumers not ultimately end up having to pay for it? It, it depends on where the tax is levied, OK? So if, if the tax tax subsidy on excise is removed, well, then that's directly on farmers. If, for instance, that this is only at an Irish level, OK? So at an Irish level, we we do it, it falls directly on, on the farmer because food prices won't be directly impacted by a taxation, a green diesel taxation in Ireland. If this was at a European level or a global level, well, then that would increase food prices across the globe. We saw that with the war in Ukraine, that fertiliser prices increased across the globe. That meant that cereal prices went up, fert- fertiliser prices went up, food went up. But if we do this at an individual level at Ireland, the incidence would fall on the farmer directly. So it's less likely that food prices 
would be affected okay. across the world if this is at a, and it, it it depends on where on where the, the incidents or where the taxation is is levied. Let's talk about the alternatives, either battery powered or methane powered tractors, because there are some that are now on the market, not widely available as yet. I'm joined by Liam Hayde, national sales rep for New Holland Tractors in Ireland. Good morning to you, Liam. Um, let's deal very briefly with the battery options because they don't really sound suitable for most farms yet. Tell me briefly. What do you have? What is available? Uh, firstly, good morning, all. Um, so at the moment, we're in the very late development stages uh, as a brand in a 55 kilowatt or 75 horsepower tractor. We'll have a commercially available unit in the UK working next year, and that will be up to five in the following year. So it's really two years before they're available, and there'll be very small volume. There are some other manufacturers currently offering a very small, like a compact or a garden-sized tractor, but regarding large tractors... The issue at the moment is range and packaging of batteries and charging network, obviously. Okay, so that would be a light work tractor only. The methane-powered alternatives here, though, do go to the full size, though, don't they? Correct. So we've commercially available, delivered, and working in the country at the moment. We have two T6180 methane-powered tractors. So they're essentially standardised tractors that have been modified to uh, run on a CNG uh, biomethane and can run and operate as a normal tractor within a normal fleet. And they are commercially available today. We now offer a larger horsepower machine as well to satisfy some of the bigger users at 270 horsepower. That's commercially available with us taking orders, but first deliveries are not for another six or eight months. But how and where are people getting their methane from, Liam? So this is the greatest barrier to where we're going to go with alternative fuels in the, in the very short term, is access to fuel. So the people who are really taking advantage of the biomethane project at the moment are those who can generate their own biomethane, which is not every farm at the moment, because obviously AD or anaerobic digestion is very much in its infancy in Ireland. There is scope, though, isn't there? Are pilot projects in the UK for dairy or beef operations harnessing their own emissions without an anaerobic digester? Yeah, so there is a, a company based in the southwest of the UK called Benjamin, who uh, our parent company, CNH Industrial, have taken the controlling share in that are focused totally on capturing fugitive methane emissions from slurries, uh, co- compressing it down, cleaning it, and using it to fuel vehicles as well as fueling sort of off-grid engines. So it's allowing you to take your farm off-grid completely, uh, maybe running a static generator on CNG as well. How many cows to power a tractor for the day are we talking about? <laughs> so the maths brief, the, the rough, maths and rough numbers are 700 cows will produce enough um, slurry to harvest methane to run a tractor for 10 hours a day every day. Now that's scalable, so obviously not everyone needs to run a tractor for 10 hours a day every day. So we say that anyone who's got 150 to 200 cows in the right slurry setup could harvest enough gas to run their tractor fleet. Um, and what's the infrastructure like that's needed for that? So it's essentially a, a covered slurry lagoon, with, as we see now, because there is a requirement to move this way to prevent you know, rain entering your slurry lagoon as part of your slurry storage options over the six and eight month periods, winter housing periods. It's a very similar idea with a membrane that captures and stores the gas. It's stored within it and then a mobile processing unit will arrive on farm and will process and clean the gas down and store it for you and leave it there. So it's not without a lot of kit and a lot of uh, investment. Put a date on this for us, please, Liam. How far are we away from the market being able to supply an affordable and most importantly a convenient methane-powered tractor? 
that's a really difficult question because I, as much as the, the Benjamin solution harvesting gas is, is a good solution, I do think that 50% of the fueling in CNG tractors or vehicles going forward will come from AD. So I think the project will only move as quickly as AD does. But I would like to say there'll be a significant amount of the fleet running on CNG within the next okay. 10 years. Within the next 10 years. That's interesting. Yes. OK. Paul, we have an opportunity, it seems, to be ahead of the curve here and on a change that uh, you see as being inevitable. Yeah, we, we could. And it goes back to the alternatives that obviously diesel, We if we look at it, it's inelastic. We've no... Uh, we've no choice but to use use diesel. But if there is an alternative there, that works. And that that's an important thing, that it needs to be able to work for both, both a tillage, a dairy and a livestock farmer, that people can switch them. But it needs to be incentivized, OK? So that um, we've seen with the... Well, presumably uh, you can the transfer car- the subsidy from green diesel to subsidising installing kit like this over time. You could, but that, the problem with that is that you know, we have you have to get that that transfer of subsidy correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. And you can get you can lose you can lose, I suppose, the, the kind of incentivization of farmers across that that those farmers that use it very little are probably the ones that uh, would be better with the lower power tractors that are less likely to actually buy a new yeah. a new tractor, and that's that. That means that we, you need to get your you need to get your taxation and your incentives correct uh, in order to incentivise people to move across. Paul Smith from the ICMSA and Liam Haid from New Holland. Thank you both very much.